Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. Welcome to Spiritual Insights, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us from the United States and around the world. Today we focus on A Course in Miracles in our virtual class format with Robert Rosenthal, MD. In these segments, Dr. Bob and I break down specific sections and offer our interpretation to help you gain a deeper understanding of the concepts of the course. If you're new to the show, Dr. Bob is the co-president of the Foundation for Inner Peace, the authorized publisher of A Course in Miracles, having served on the Foundation's board of directors since 1992. He was a practicing psychiatrist and psychotherapist for 32 years before retiring to take on this position. He was introduced to the course in 1975 at the age of 20 by Judy Scutch and became a close friend and protege of the course's co-scribe, Dr. Bill Thetford. Dr. Bob is the author of From Nevermind to Evermind, Transforming the Self to Embrace Miracles, and this is the first of a five-book series on the principles of A Course in Miracles, as well as From Plagues to Miracles, The Transformational Journey of Exodus, From the Slavery of Ego to the Promised Land of Spirit. If you would like to connect, you can read excerpts and purchase From Nevermind to Evermind or From Plagues to Miracles at drbob-author.com, and that is D-R-B-O-B hyphen author.com. To learn more about and purchase A Course in Miracles, visit acim.org, as in A Course in Miracles. And to review archives of our virtual classes, visit spiritualinsightsradio.com. So today we are picking up where we left off in Chapter 17, Section 4, and we'll begin with Paragraph 11. But first, join me in welcoming Dr. Bob back to the show. Hey, Dr. Bob. Hey, Shar. So nice to be here. So nice to be continuing our, uh, our, our, our deep dive into the text of A Course in Miracles. Um, this yes. is just such a, a valuable way. I, I don't know of anyone else who's going through it really line by line like you and I are. I don't either. <laughs> I, I, don't, yeah. I don't really get a chance to listen to and see what other people are doing. But this is, in my experience, the best way to do it. Um, because it opens up a whole lot instead of generalizing. You know, if we yeah. go into details, uh, so much comes up in me when we read the paragraphs that make sense of it. And so um, um, I like the process of being able to share that revelation with everybody yeah. because I'm learning yeah. at the same time, you know. We all learn exactly. together. And what comes through I mean, I try to read over the sections that we're working on, uh, working through uh, before the show. I try to read through it at once. And, um, but what comes through as we're actually reading it live here 
is often very different um, and very powerful or very beautiful. So, so there's some kind of a transmission happening. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. So we have have one announcement. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, for though, by the time people are listening to this, there will be an audio book of from uh, from Nevermind to Evermind available through uh, Amazon primarily, but I think through you know probably any audio book outlet. Um, I assume my publisher will make it available that way. But I know for a lot of people these days, you know, if you're old and your eyes don't work so well, the audio book is a good alternative. Or listening in a car. Um, I am not the reader. I, I did get a chance to check out and approve the reader's uh, voice and style, and I think he does an amazing job. He's read a lot of um, Ram Dass's books, and I can't think of a higher compliment than that. So if you haven't bought the print book or if you have uh, but want uh, a supplement, the audio should be available by the time you're listening to this. That's great. That's good to have. It's also good yeah. for the visually impaired. You know, um, yeah. way back in the beginning, I had huge plans to make what I put out there available um, to organizations that help the blind or things like that. Um, hmm. I like to I like to keep those people in mind when we're sharing stuff like this. You know. Yeah. No. That that. What a great idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other thing is, of course, their, the whole millennial generation was raised on YouTube, and especially for young men, they just don't like to read, whereas listening, very different story. So, and, and you know, things do go in through a different um, perspective when we're listening. Uh, I'm, I still love listening to uh, A Course in Miracles, the audiobook because it just comes in in a different way. And I notice different things that I often don't notice when I'm reading. And then of course I go back and I look at it and, you know, and read it and, you know, get the full context. But uh, we have different senses and the Holy spirit can make use of them all. There we go. That's interesting. Very interesting. So we're talking about today, the Holy instant we're picking up on in paragraph 11 and the last time we were talking about um, we left off with 10 um, why the holy instant is so important in the defense of truth and so now we're going to go into what the holy instant really is which is I love this section this is one of my favorites they're all my favorite and whichever one I'm reading at the time is my favorite kind of thing (laughs) I know just what you're saying yeah It, it, it really is. It's kind of a holographically luminous book. I mean, whatever section you're in, whatever paragraph, you know, what comes through is just uh, just very pure truth. So if you are tuning in and haven't heard um, the prior, what, three, four sessions shows that we've done on this very long section called The Two Pictures, you might want to go back and listen to it. But for those who aren't so inclined, this section is, is how would you put it? It's using a metaphor of two different pictures, one sort of describing the ego's goals, which is set in this elaborate frame so that you never do look at the picture because the picture in the middle is death, which is 
just another way of saying a world that's temporary, a world that doesn't last, uh, a world that's not of God's creation. And the other picture is the picture of the holy instant, which is, you know, um, an, a mirror, an image of heaven, uh, of oneness. So that's that's where we are, because we're, we're pretty well into the chapter here. We're up to, what is it, uh, paragraph 11? Uh, yes. So, so, yeah, so, you know, <clears throat> in the previous 10 paragraphs, this section has talked about the holy instant and gone into this metaphor of, you know, look at the picture, do not let the frame distract you, <laughs> which, which is always a very good idea. Um, you know, it's sort of, uh, you know, what's real, what's the heart of it? Um, don't look at the window dressing. So I just wanted to give that background before we actually jump in. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Who wants to start? Um, I would love to start, actually. <clears throat> okay. And, Go right uh, all right. So this is paragraph 11 of chapter 17, section 4, the two pictures. Um, it's page 360 um, in the authorized original, I mean, sorry, in the authorized edition published by the Foundation for Inner Peace. The holy instant is a miniature of heaven sent you from heaven. It is a picture, too, set in a frame. Yet, if you accept this gift, you will not see the frame at all, because the gift can only be accepted through your willingness to focus all your attention on the picture. The holy instant is a miniature of eternity. It is a picture of timelessness set in a frame of time. If you focus on the picture, you will realize that it was only the frame that made you think it was a picture. Without the frame, the picture is seen as what it represents. For as the whole thought system of the ego lies in its gifts, so the whole of heaven lies in this instant, borrowed from eternity and set in time for you. Whoa. Uh -uh. That is just so, so beautiful. So what do we make of this? I mean, in a way, this paragraph is kind of the culmination of the whole metaphor, although it may go, yeah, it goes back to, the, I mean, but what it's saying is, okay, think of the world we live in. It's so busy. It's got so many moving parts and people and so many distractions and so many things that we think about that it keeps our attention and our senses bouncing back and forth. You know, we, we literally are following <laughs> the nearest shiny object. And what the metaphor in this section is saying is, yeah, that's the frame. You know, there's nothing real or enduring there. There's nothing of any true value or meaning, because true value and meaning comes from God, comes from oneness, comes from heaven, comes from love. So we've got this elaborate frame that, um, you know, uh, that's all about distraction so that we don't see that the picture itself within the frame is really pretty darn empty. This paragraph is saying, ah, then there's the holy instant. So the holy instant is a moment where your communication with God, with oneness, has been restored. Um you could think of it as a, a mystical experience. Um, you know, there are a lot of different names for it. But the holy instant is a miniature of heaven sent you from heaven. 
Now, when it says it's a picture, too, set in a frame, what they mean is we're not experiencing oneness and boom, we've woken up and we're back to being, you know, gods. Uh, we're, we have no more awareness of the illusion. The separation has ended. We're all, it's all good again. No, it's, it's set in a frame, you know, because it's still coming to us here in the world in a body. But then the next line, line three says, you know, if you accept this gift, you will not see the frame at all because the gift can only be accepted through your willingness to focus all your attention on the picture. In other words, the moment you start getting distracted by anything else in this world, you literally can't see the holy instant. You can't have the holy instant because you've separated yourself from heaven again. Um, you know, you're seeing yourself as a body. You're seeing yourself as uh, checking those items off the to-do list. At least that's where I tend to get distracted these days. Um, so the holy instant is a miniature of heaven because for that single instant, which is eternal, which is all the time there is, you know, the present is the only time there is, for that instant, all the rest disappears and we're focused completely on the picture, on the center, on what's real. And that is a miniature of eternity but if you really think about it, a miniature of eternity, um, what a fun, interesting phrase. Eternity is eternity. You can't miniaturize it. But here in the physical world, yes, we bracket it. You know, Shar and I are doing this show. We could close our eyes and, and have a holy instant perhaps. But, you know, we're going to come back. We're going to go have lunch, have dinner, you know, deal with kids, deal with work, etc. So it feels like a miniature of eternity, um, as the Course says, it is a picture of timelessness set in a frame of time. And, 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 and I mean, this is, the Course just gets so poetic here. Uh, what a perfect description. And that's what we want to do. We want to be able to see that picture, to have more and more of those moments of timelessness, despite the frame of time, until we reach the point where we realize that there is no frame, that the frame of time is one that we made up, that we imagine, and we can still play in it. We can have fun in it. We can even get a little nuts in it sometimes. But behind that is this openness, this sense of, of vast eternal peace. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that really is unending. And that is the truth of who we are. Uh, so, um, you know, so this is where the paragraph continues, you know, without the frame, the picture is seen as what it represents. That is, it's not a picture. Um, you could say it's a portal, but it's not even a portal. It's just an opening into, into truth, into oneness. But we put a frame around it, and hence, you know, here, as long as we're here, it's a picture to be contrasted with uh, that other picture, the ego's picture with the elaborate frame. <clears throat> and then the final line, for as the whole thought system of the ego lies in its gifts, so the whole of heaven lies in this instant, borrowed from eternity, sorry, borrowed from eternity and set in time for you. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty lovely. And as a English lit major, um, the final beauty of it is it takes its own metaphor of the picture and transcends it, which is exactly what the metaphor is trying to portray. What the hell do I mean by that? What I mean is it's saying when you really get it, 
and you look at the picture, you realize there is no frame. There was no picture. There was just the truth, just the eternity. And, and in a sense, using the metaphor of the picture, it's like, yeah, you don't even need, you don't need the idea of a picture once you really get the picture, so to speak. All right. Um, you know, I, again, I, I love that, that paragraph. Thank you for letting me read it. Uh, sure. Take it away. I'm really eager to hear what you have to say. <laughs> Not a whole lot to add, <laughs> but, um, but the reason I laughed. Voice. Okay. Well, the reason I laughed is because uh, I had just written the word portal down when you said the word portal, and that happens often on the show in in other segments where you know. I'll be tapping into an energy or something like that, and I make my notes, and then someone says it out loud. So it's it's part of the fun of doing a show like this. Anyway, what I had to say about it is is that the holy instant is love. It's a I like to call it a wrinkle in time, because the times that I've experienced it is when time slowed down. And uh, in my life, this has become instantly recognizable when time has slowed down for me. Right. And so it's like you're pulled out of the perception of the illusion of separateness of time itself, of gravity. It's For me, it's, it's a momentary interruption of the illusion to bring you clarity and allow you to experience heaven's holiness and eternal love here on earth. So it's very real. And I also add, it's like standing in a portal of peaceful truth just for an instant where the veil doesn't exist. And so it really is an experience of the holiness and the love and the peace of heaven where it can, where it's so powerful that it can correct your perception, but more importantly, it can remind you of who you really are outside of the separation and and this illusion that we chose to experience. Um, And I think that's, in its simplest form, that sums it up for me. That's pretty good. You know, you triggered a thought in me, but let me know if you're finished. Well, let me look at the rest of the paragraph. Those were my initial thoughts. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Picture of timelessness set in a frame of time. For me, that means it's only done that way so that it makes sense to us because we're so attached to frames, basically. Um, Okay. Without the frame. The picture is seen as what it represents. You covered that perfectly. Thank you. So the whole of heaven lies in this instant, borrowed from eternity and set in time for you. So that, to me, says it it breaks out of time. Just just for a moment. Just speak truth to you. So that the Holy Spirit can um, drop something into your mind that you need in that moment. And that's what that's what I get pretty much. So yeah, back to you, if you, to, if you would like to add something. Yeah, when you were talking about a portal, you know, I was thinking about the idea of that. If you have a portal, it means that, you know, there's a passageway, a channel, an opening from one space to another, from one reality to another, um, or from, you know, one room to another, as it were. And I was thinking, okay, so if we think 
we're in a prison here, for example. You know, we're locked into the space-time body consciousness reality. If there's a portal, if there is an opening to something different that we call the holy instant, and if that instant is available at any time, any place, because it's, it exists irrespective of time and place, um, then how can it really be a prison? You know, if you were locked up in, I don't know, you know, Attica or Leavenworth or San Quentin or, you know, name your favorite prison, but anytime you wanted, there was just this huge hole in the wall that would appear and you could walk right through to freedom, then is it really a prison? And, and I think, I mean, I've never thought of it this way before. So um, thank you for focusing on that, that portal idea. But I think that's what A Course in Miracles is, is leading us towards, is teaching us towards. We think we're locked into, you know, a world where um, suffering and death, at least at some point, is, seems to be inevitable. But, but it's not really a prison. You know, it, it's like there, there are holes uh, in, in the illusionary walls everywhere. And as we learn to see and recognize that, <clears throat> we discover that, wow, we really are free. And then our goal becomes to live that freedom, embody that freedom, and in so mm-hmm. doing, share it with our brothers and sisters and, um, and all life on the planet, not by, you know, putting on a suit and going out and knocking on doors with copies of Course in Miracles and proselytizing, but through the very knowledge that mind is one. And as your mind opens up to see those, those portals, those um, gaps in, in the illusion, you automatically make it much more possible for everyone else to see them too. Um, and that's the Holy Spirit's job and Jesus's job. That's above our pay grade. We just got to accept atonement for ourselves, i.e. recognize the Holy Instant, the portals, and when we're able to do that, you know, they take that opening to whatever other little um, fragment of, of, of the one mind happens to be ready for it at that time. And, you know, that mm-hmm. could be the person standing next to you, and it could be someone, I don't know, you know, in China or Australia or who knows where. It doesn't matter because time and space are an illusion. But I love that idea of, of you know, the holy instant is a portal and – and, you know, if the portal's there, anytime you really focus on it, uh, then what does that say about where we really exist? And that there's nothing to fear, despite how fearful life can get, you know. Things, things happen, you know. It's all an illusion, but this is an experience. We're here for an yeah. experiential um, journey. So you experience things that give you stress, fear, pain, all that stuff. Um, I just wanted to add, what did I want to add? I just wanted to say that, um, yeah, no, I don't remember. I'll have to cut that out. (laughs) (laughs) I lost it. Okay, you want to go to paragraph 12? Yes. Okay. Already, two gifts are offered you. Each is complete and cannot be partially accepted. Each is a picture of all that you can have seen very differently. 
You cannot compare their value by comparing a picture to a frame. It must be the pictures only that you compare, or the comparison is wholly without meaning. Remember that it is the picture that is the gift, and only on this basis are you really free to choose. Look at the pictures, both of them. One is a tiny picture, hard to see at all beneath the heavy shadows of its enormous and disproportionate disproportionate enclosure. The other is lightly framed and hung in light, lovely to look upon for what it is. Mm -mm -mm. So here we have a comparison of illusion and reality. So the, the two gifts are offered you. Each is complete in and of itself, but you can't accept some of it. You have to accept all of it because belief is total. So you have to decide then in that moment and invite in the Holy Spirit to help you with this. Are you going to believe 100% in the illusion or in the gift that is sent to you from heaven, which is truth and love and wholeness, right? Each is a picture of all that you can have seen very differently. So what one picture offers, you can have it all, but it's going to be very frightening. Like we were just saying, it will be filled with fear and fear of death and fear of annihilation. Um, the other picture, when you see it truly, without focusing on the frame, right? Because this one, obviously, is hung in light. So it's it's easy to, to get away from the frame because you start to see the value of the frame. It's just a frame, right? Mm-hmm. And so... You can have all of that as well, but you can't believe it halfway, right? You cannot compare their value by comparing a picture to a frame. So we have the one frame that's, that looks shiny when you're in the dark. It looks shiny and bright and all these ruby colors and all that, but once you bring it into the light, you, you see that it's, it's gouged. Um, picture like, um, like some creature with claws gouging <laughs> the frame. You know, it's 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 totally ugly and horrible and frightening. Um, so then, I'm sorry, I have to go back. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So you cannot compare their value by comparing a picture to a frame. So with the other picture, the picture of reality, the frame is meaningless because the only purpose it serves is to make sense in, in time for you like I said before, that, that just helps us make sense of it and see it for what it is. It must be the pictures only that you compare, or the comparison is wholly without meaning. So you either you either believe in the truth or you believe in the illusion, is what that says to me. And remember that it is the picture that is the gift. And so with the picture of reality for what it really is, not the illusion that we believe, that is the gift. That's, that's why we're here. We're, we're here to find our way back to God. And that gift is something that we can focus on and follow it to find our way back there. But in peace, not in the terror of the illusion. And only on this basis are you really free to choose. So when it comes to choice, every moment is a choice. But you really make the biggest choice of your life when you choose reality over fear. So it says it insists that you look at the pictures, both of them, and it wants you to see them both very clearly for what they are. One is a tiny picture, hard to see at all, beneath the heavy shadows of its enormous and disproportionate enclosure. It's just a picture. It's 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 some 
representation of the fear of the ego. That's all it is. But the other holds the light. It shines the light to you. And when you look at it, it's saying that it's lovely to look upon for what it is. So, as we said so many times before in, in all the years we've been doing this, the truth doesn't hurt. It's the shattering of illusions that hurt. And so with the disappointments that we experience and the, and the problems, you know, everybody has something to deal with. When we really look at the truth and we see the beauty of it, you want to look at it more because you find peace by absorbing that reality instead of reacting to the false reality that we keep getting caught up in. Yeah. And that's what I have to say about that. Anything you'd like to add, Buck Buck? I don't have a lot to add. Um, you know, to me, this paragraph is really doing what, what the Course has done since the introduction to the text. It's kind of saying there, 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 there are only two choices that you can, you know, I mean, nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the mm-hmm. peace of God. That's, that's the centerpiece of the introduction. And everything else in A Course in Miracles is just uh, an explanation, a derivative, um, uh, you know, a variation on that central theme. <clears throat> so this is saying, um, choose. Do you want to choose the real, which can't be threatened, which is a picture of eternity, um, and which, in fact, once you really get into the picture, is eternity itself, you know, because there is, there can be no pictures in eternity. You can't have a metaphor of the truth because there is nothing that is like the truth. You can't compare the truth to anything. Um, That's why the the paragraph is saying, you know, don't compare the picture to the frame um, because that's not a comparison, but Interestingly, when we're only looking at truth, there is nothing else to compare. Truth is truth. It's, it, it's all encompassing. Um, so it's just offering this choice. Do you want, you know, the nothing real can be threatened? Or do you want, the, um, do you want to choose the nothing unreal uh, that doesn't exist, but you're going to make it exist because you're refusing to look at the picture in which that lack of existence is is powerfully evident and instead muck around in this big old elaborate frame. So to me, this is just, you know, wake up, look, don't be asleep, don't kid yourself, here's your choice. Um, you know, in I think it's chapter 14, of course, reminds us that It says something, and I'm paraphrasing, the one remaining power left to you as a prisoner of this world is the power of decision. In other words, we can be completely lost in this matrix world, but we always retain the power to change our mind. And that could be for the rare individual, like you get it all in one fell swoop, um, you know, people like uh, Eckhart Tolle or Byron Katie, who in the midst of their deep depression, you know, boom, they're just, they wake up. Or like most of the rest of us, you know, we get it a little iteration at a time, but that's okay because time is an illusion. Time is here when used for, by the Holy Spirit to help us get to that picture, to that truth in the way that is the most comfortable and the least fearful for us. 
And for some people, that's boom, you need immersion, um, throw the baby in the deep end of the pool. But for others, you know, there's a gradual, a gradual slope, a gradual curve. Um, but either way, the goal is to look at what our choices are, exercise our power of decision, um, and then let Holy Spirit do the rest. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the, yeah, that's great. And the big ugly frame is nothing more than a lure. It lures you yeah. in. Yeah. Exactly. There's there's nothing to lure you towards the truth. It just is, and it's beautiful. And so when you look on it, if you allow yourself, I think, to wake up, like you said, if you allow yourself to awaken to that truth, then that is where you're going to want to stay. But if you yes. keep getting lured into something that is false and threatening, then where is the peace? Where where, and when will you ever be happy? Because, like you said, you know, time is a construct. It's, it's just stretched out so that all of this makes sense to us, yes. you know? And we, we measure time with calendars and clocks and and say, okay, this brings order to my life. But true order in life is, for me, acknowledging the truth every moment possible, every moment that you can. You can flip and you can get angry and you can think you're the victim of something and you can think you hate your brother. But hopefully for anyone listening to this, that doesn't last too long for you and that you choose a holy instant over that and get back to peace and reality. You know, the reality that we are all one. Oh, and I remember my thoughts. You had mentioned, you know, if you accept that for yourself, yourself, you help many, many other people accept it for themselves. It's about the collective. And so the more time you spend in the feeling of love or holiness or thinking about um, the truth of heaven, that it's, that it's possible that you can experience that while you're in a body. That helps the collective. That helps change the planet. So that was the, um, the small point I wanted to make about don't sure. wallow. Don't wallow in negativity and shadow um, because you have, you're not offering anything to the world. And anyone on a spiritual path, I would think, would confess to a desire to help do their part for humanity. But wallowing in that fear doesn't do anything for anybody, you know. But when you accept this, what this is saying here, when you accept this for yourself, you accept it for everyone. And when it comes to atonement, which we like to call at-one-ment, that gets you closer. So it's powerful stuff. But you can choose any moment what you're going to believe in. The tiny picture that's scary or the big one that's truthful. Yeah. And um, go ahead. No, that's you. I thought you had paused. <laughs> nope. Were you finished? Yeah, I'm all done. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, we're doing that um, – that stutter step that you do on a city street where someone's walking and you go to the right and they go to the right and then you shift the other way and they shift the other. We're, we're, we're just doing that with audio here. Um, That's true. So, yeah. So um, just one other thought and then I'll go to paragraph 13. Um, I think one of the most powerful things about A Course in Miracles 
and and it certainly does distinguish it from many other um, religious teachings and some spiritual teachings, is it says you don't have a choice in what you are. God created you as God's extension, as the extension of love. You don't get to change that. You can't change the nature of your creation. Um, you can choose what you're going to focus on, and because we are, we have all the power that was given us uh, as uh, God's creation. We can, you know, dream dreams of, of of illusion and lose ourselves in them, and we can stay in that dream for a long time. But the course says, inevitably, time ends and we all wake up. <laughs> that the, you know, what, what the Course calls the Son of God, God's creation, never really left. So we don't have the power to undo what God did. So your choice is, <clears throat> okay, let's play around in the illusion a little more. Um, and I certainly have done my share of that. You know, oh, let me chase after this goal. I want to be a screenwriter. Uh-huh. You know, I want to I wanna make more money. I want to, I want to, I want to. Um, but, but, you know, as you live long enough, you start getting to a place of, well, that one didn't work. Uh, either it got blocked or, gee, I got what I wanted, but it didn't turn out to be so satisfying. So eventually, what I think the Course is saying is, if truth is true and that's the only reality and it's constantly there behind the scenes and it's always calling to us because we know that it's true, we can fight it for as long as we choose. God doesn't inflict himself upon us. Truth doesn't force its way into illusion. This is one of the core Course in Miracles teachings. You cannot bring truth into illusion. Truth doesn't go into illusion. Illusion is unreal. But you can and must bring your illusions to the truth. Um, it's what you were talking about, Char, and really seeing that frame for what it is. So. Mm-hmm. You know, if I am as God created me, which is the only workbook lesson repeated three times, six times if you count the uh, review periods, if that is the only truth, then, you know, you might as well jump on the, the, the train because you're not going to get anywhere going anywhere else. And when you do, what you discover is, whoa, this actually does work better. When things seem to go bad, quote unquote, I feel better, um, I do often experience miracles, things, situations, and people that I thought would never change suddenly shift mm. um, in the blink of an eye. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow, this this is a better this is a better way to travel. And so, the proof is in the feedback when you make the decision for the truth. <clears throat> but you don't have to. I mean, you know. It's, you know, the, the, again, back to the introduction of the course, you know, free will doesn't mean you get to choose the curriculum. It means you can elect what you want to take at a given time. In other words, within the illusion of time, yeah, we have this illusion of choice. But in reality, we, we actually don't because, because we will wake up. It is just a matter of time. But, but if you really feel that, it's extremely reassuring. You don't have to fear because you're going to get there because time never really happened and you're already there. You're just dreaming a really weird dream. (laughs) And and we're dreaming it with you, so welcome to the party. Yeah, good point, good point. It's always there. 
You just have to accept it for yourself. Yes. All right. Paragraph 13. Paragraph 13. There you go. You who have tried so hard and are still trying to fit the better picture into the wrong frame and so combine what cannot be combined, accept this and be glad. These pictures are each framed perfectly for what they represent. One is framed to be out of focus and not seen. The other is framed for perfect clarity. The picture of darkness and of death grows less convincing as you search it out amid its wrappings, as each senseless stone that seems to shine from the frame in darkness is exposed to light, it becomes dull and lifeless and ceases to distract you from the picture. And finally, you look upon the picture itself, seeing at last that, unprotected by the frame, it has no meaning. So, yeah, this just continues, you know, the metaphor and, um, and reinforces what I was just saying about you can't mm-hmm. bring truth into illusion. You can only bring illusion to truth. You know, we keep trying to fit the better picture into the wrong frame. Oh, come on. You know, it's a beautiful world and, and we can have everything we want. I mean, there are people out there who will tell you, you can keep your physical body forever. And I keep thinking, well, they must be very young or not very, or, or, or they haven't experienced aging yet because why would I want to keep this thing forever? You know, um, except for fear of death. I mean, that's what's underlying it. So you can't fit truth into the frame of illusion. If you try to do that, bring truth into illusion, you don't change truth. Truth stays true. You just stop being able to see the truth. Now you're caught in illusion. And you think that what you brought in is true, but it's just another part of the dream. It's just another part of the illusion. Ah, this latest relationship I found, this latest guru, this spiritual path, this book, this is it. This is going to get me where I want to go. You know, I'm going to manifest my house in Beverly Hills, and I'm going to be a rock star, and I'm going to, I'm going to come. You know, and on and on it goes. No, you know, that's not how it works. Um, that's not how it works. You can't combine them. But when you focus on the right picture, framed to be what it is, and there's one is framed so lightly and clearly because light and clarity are its essence, its truth. The frame doesn't really exist um, except here in the world of time. When we focus on that, we get that breath of fresh air and an opening into truth, that portal, um, that oneness. When we focus on the other, ugh, you know, uh, we lose we lose it all. And excuse me. And it says that um, the one other line I want to focus on: the picture of darkness and of death grows less convincing as you search it out amid its wrappings, and as each senseless stone that seems to shine from the frame in darkness is exposed to light, it becomes dull and lifeless and ceases to distract you from the picture. In other words, when we really scrutinize that frame, we see that the seeming jewels that we thought glittered from it, all of those things that we thought we wanted, turn out to be pretty dull and lifeless. Of course they are. They're keeping us from the truth. They're standing in the way of it. They're obstructions. They're not the thing that we actually seek. And as we recognize it and they become uh, dull and lifeless, uh, again, beautiful, beautiful lines, um, 
Now that frame becomes less and less distracting. Just before we came on the show, Shar and I were, were talking about how so many things that used to appeal to us or that we wanted to chase after or the opposite that, you know, that we're, that you're afraid of and that you're trying to avoid. Um, they just don't have the same power. I mean, yeah, you can look at it and go, sure. It would be nice to have that, but it, it's dull and lifeless. It, it, you don't want it to stand in the way and distract you from the truth. Because let's face it, anything in that frame that you focus on and value above and beyond the truth, that's an idol. You're worshiping an idol. You've set up you know, a stone, a statue, a person, an event, uh, your bucket list, what have you, as being more valuable than the experience of oneness in God. Well, that's an idol, and we know what happens when we worship idols. Um, we don't go to hell. We just don't get to heaven right away. That's all. You know, we, we take a big loop in time, and it takes us a lot longer. But so this is saying, in a way, this paragraph um, sort of demarcates the path that, yeah, we did become so distracted by the frame that we have to search it out um, with the help of the Holy Spirit. That, that's what the shift in perception that the miracle and healing is all about, that we search it out and we see it through the, the eyes of Christ, through the Holy Spirit in the light of reality. We see it for what it really is and what it really isn't. You know, um, what it mm -hmm. is is nothing. What it isn't is it's not heaven. It's, it's not anything real. And in that recognition, it becomes very easy to just let it go. You know, it's very hard to get worked, over, worked up over stuff that is an illusion and this holds true even for those really big things in life like death and illness and, you know, and, and severe um, life problems. It, it's not that you belittle them. Um, it's just that at a certain point, they, they become transparent too. We realize that, mm -hmm. you know, that we're learning something and that we don't want anything to stand in the way of love or the miracle. Okay, over to you, Shar. That was great. Um, I have a few things I want to say. This paragraph to me, when it talks about trying to fit the better picture into the wrong frame and then combine what, what don't go together, they cannot mesh because one is the opposite of the other. They have nothing in common to mesh. Right? That to me says that we're trying to experience heaven on earth, but on our own terms and conditions. So we want what's in the one picture, but you try to shove it into the frame that keeps you anchored in, in unreality, illusion, and separation. And it can't, it can't work. It's, it's designed to not work that way. The other is this, as we look at the frames, because we're talking a lot about frames, but I'm, I want to come up with as many different angles as possible. So imagine then, ladies and gentlemen, if um, you have the two frames in front of you. Imagine that one frame is made of wood, and it's burnt and charred and scarred and ugly, right? Now look at the other one, and the other one is clear crystal. It's glistening and light and not demanding your attention. What it really wants, it wants you to see the gift it presents to you. The other frame 
distracts you from the picture to convince you that it's real. So the less demanding one is the one that's more loving. That's one point anyone to make. When you were talking, Dr. Bob, I remember something I hadn't thought about in over 20 years. This had to have happened. I had to have been in my 20s. So we're probably talking about 25 years here. I had gotten a professional portrait done, right? And I decided to give one to my sister as a Christmas gift in, in addition to whatever else I gave her. And I was very close to her. We were attached at the hip. Um, she took care of me, and she, she helped raise me, in fact. Um, and I gave her the gift, and she opened it. I put it in a frame, you know, a pretty frame, ceramic, and I gave, I wrapped it and gave it to her. She went nuts over that frame about how pretty it was and never made a single comment about the photograph. Wow. <laughs> she perfect. loved that frame. And and as you're talking, I was like, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, she That's loved that rich. frame. and I, I mean, I think she might even have taken my picture out of it and put something like one of her kids in it. Yeah. But that gave me a chuckle. She was more focused on the frame than the gift that was that I was presenting to her, which was basically to tell her I love you, you know? Yeah, yeah. I I want you to look at this and, and see the look in my eyes because I was thinking about you when I took the picture or something like that, you know what I mean? Something that probably only Char could come up with, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But, but but that maybe she wouldn't have resonated with. I don't know. She wasn't mushy like that. Um, I'm mushy. But uh-huh. but that's what I get, that we're we're trying to have what we want on our own terms. And with respect to what you said about how we were talking before the show, I think what I'm learning in the past year especially is that my soul wants to go in one direction and my personality wants to go in another or assumed it was going to go in another. And so I think I'm having an extended period of time where I'm looking at two pictures and continually having to choose which one I want. And so I think it's a process of allowing God or the soul to steer the ship and know that it's perfectly fine to do that. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I, I, I think that that's the essence of it. You know, you're, you're searching out the frame, which is where you think you want to go, and you is not just you. It's all of us. And mm-hmm. – because that call, that truth is in us, and we can't get rid of it, um, even if we think we want to, that our soul, if you will, leads us in this other path, this other direction. And, you know, I guess if we follow one direction, in my experience, it works. Um, things get easier, even if within the illusion you wouldn't call it easier, mm-hmm. it's still easier. If you go the sure. other way, things things just continue to compound and get harder. I mean, this is what I was trying to convey in my first book, From Plagues to Miracles. You know, if you're following the ego and its its direction, you're basically in Egypt uh, and you get plagues because only the plague is going to bust you out of the delusion that you're in. If, on mm-hmm. the other hand, you're traveling with Moses' mind, with spirit, with uh, you know the Holy Spirit, 
Red Sea's part for you. Um, you get mana in the wilderness. You know, you get whatever you need to keep you moving in that direction. Beautiful. Mm. Okay. Paragraph 14? Yes. Here we go. The other picture is lightly framed, for time cannot contain eternity. There is no distraction here. The picture of heaven and eternity grows more convincing as you look at it. And now, by real comparison, a transformation of both pictures can at last occur. And each is given its rightful place when both are seen in relation to the other, to each other. The dark picture brought to light is not perceived as fearful, but the fact that it is just a picture is brought home at last. And what you see there you will recognize is what it is, a picture of what you thought was real and nothing more. For beyond this picture, you will see nothing. So it really is talking about the, the flimsiness of the illusion. Um, it, it kind of supports what I was saying a moment ago, picture the frame that it's clear, clear crystal, like a quartz crystal. It's perfectly clear. Um, and time cannot contain eternity. Time is a construct. Time itself is an illusion. So it can't enclose or envelop something so so much bigger than itself. There is no distraction here. Again, talking about this frame, it doesn't pull you away from the gift it's presenting to you. Uh, the picture of heaven and eternity grows more convincing as you look at it. And so, again, when you make those choices in the moment that you will believe the gift inside the one picture rather than the illusion inside the ugly frame, the more you do that and the more often you do that and the longer you stay there, the more that will become comfortable and will feel like home to you. Okay, that's how I like to see it. And and that's how I experienced it. Because, you know, back in the beginning when I started studying, actually it's my anniversary, uh, 18 years. Hmm. Once oh, I... Happy yeah. Happy anniversary. Been, thank you. There's quite a few anniversaries this month. It's pretty cool. Hmm. Um. It's also the uh, 18th anniversary of uh, when I started channeling Jesus, so it's, it's pretty special oh. without being special. You know what I mean? Got it, got it, got uh, it, yeah. You know, but, um, but anyway, um, once I dug into this and realized that there was a better way, that there was a different way to exist, a different way to feel and believe, and that it wasn't all up to me, you know, that kind of thing. Um. The longer I held on to that and the longer I stayed there, that's when life really started getting better. That's when I really saw through people um, who were acting out of attack or uh, defensiveness or jealousy or fear. I really got a crystal clear view of where it was coming from to the point where even if something was said to me viciously, it didn't even hurt because I understood it. You know, for me... Confusion is the worst thing to experience here. I don't, I don't like to not understand. I like to be very clear on something's purpose or intention. So anyway, um, that works. The longer you look at this one picture, and you become more and more comfortable with it and less invested in the ugly picture, less attached to it, right? And that's why we probably are trying to fit the better picture into the, the, the ugly frame yeah. because we're so attached to what we think reality is. Anyway, moving on. And now by real comparison, a transformation of both pictures can at last occur. 
transformation here is seen, I think, with the illusory picture, that becomes obvious. It transforms into something that you think is real and realize that it's really not, and then the one that you think might not be possible really is possible and is indeed um, achievable. The dark picture brought to the light is not perceived as fearful, but the fact that it's just a picture is brought home at last. It's just a picture. It's just it's like watching a movie, you know, scary yeah. movies. If you if you become emotionally invested in them and you attach to the fear of the victim being chased by, you know, Jason with the, with the thing, what is that, the chainsaw? I, I can't watch those movies because I, in fact, do that. I, I, can't, I pick up on the fear and I, I kind of go into the movie to such a level that I'm taking that journey with them where other people are able to detach, sit back, and laugh at it, especially where, there's, where blood is concerned because I can't uh. stand the images of people getting hurt. Even sometimes when, when they show, like, funny videos of people falling, I feel that. I have to look away, you know. So looking at the picture now as it is in the light isn't as fearful because you see it for what it is. It's just a picture, right? Just a figment of your imagination. And what you see there you will recognize as what it is, a picture of what you thought was real and nothing more. For beyond this picture, you will see nothing. I think that, for me, that's pretty self-explanatory. What thoughts would you like to add, Dr. Bob? Um, not much. I, I agree. I think you said it all. It's pretty much self-explanatory. You know, I was the only thing I was going to emphasize is what you just emphasized, that, you know, that when you really look at the ego's picture, you know, again, um, the course sort of explodes the metaphor. The picture is just a picture. You know, it's not reality. You know, it's like like one of those children's movies. Uh, I'm thinking of the new Mary Poppins where, you know, this vase with <clears throat> this elaborate design breaks and they find themselves in the design and they're doing all this stuff. But when they pull back out, nope, it's, it's just this picture, you know, on a vase um, that they thought was shattered and is now repaired. I mean, it's actually a very nice metaphor for the whole process of physical reality. But, yeah, you recognize the picture as a picture. You know, you can be asleep and have a dream. You can have the worst nightmare where everyone you know is, is under attack by fearful dark forces. But when you wake up, oh, it was a dream. You know, you don't sit around the rest of the day going, oh, my God, what a horrible dream. I you know, what, what was the me? I mean, you might think a little about it, but, and, and mm-hmm. same thing if it was a wonderful dream. Ah, oh, I dreamed I won the lottery and I did, uh, still a dream. A dream is a dream. You woke up, um, you woke up and said that you were broke. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful dream. <laughs> you, you you wake up and realize you're broke. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Yeah. Yeah, I I don't have a lot more to say. Um, Yeah, I think just read that paragraph and ponder it and and let let whatever is meant to come to you come to you. you Yeah, I mean, this paragraph and the one in 15, the one I'm about to read, they're kind of the the culmination of the whole section. You know, you look at the one picture with the elaborate frame. when, When you stop staring at the frame and realize it offers you nothing, you see that the picture... Even as a picture of death, it's a picture. It's unreal. 
And then paragraph 15 goes to the other picture, the, the one where the, that's lightly framed that we've talked about as a portal and tells us what that is by contrast. So I, I think I'm going to go ahead and read that. Okay. The picture of light in clear-cut and unmistakable contrast is transformed into what lies beyond the picture. As you look on this, you realize that it is not a picture, but a reality. This is no figured representation of a thought system, but the thought itself. What it represents is there. The frame fades gently, and God rises to your remembrance, offering you the whole of creation in exchange for your little picture, wholly without value and entirely deprived of meaning. So, yeah, you know, at this point, seeing them for what they actually are, there is no choice to make. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's so self-evident. One is this stupid little picture that we made come to life and invested all of this power in, and it's, it's literally a nothing. The other turns out not to be a picture, but as we said, a portal, but not even a portal. It is what it represents because you can't have a representation of truth. Truth is truth. You can't have a metaphor that describes truth. There can't be a picture of truth. Truth is truth. I, I actually think this is the, um, the real meaning behind the um, idea in Islam that you should never have a photo or a representation of the Prophet Muhammad. I think what they're really trying to say there, and, and maybe I'm wrong, is truth can't be portrayed. You know, you, 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 can't, you can't bring truth into physical reality without losing the truth of what it is. So, mm. you know, the second picture, uh, really the first picture, it is what it represents. And when you see it clearly, now it's not a choice between pictures anymore. One is just like, you know, a two-dimensional representation of nothingness. And the other is, um, you know, Everything. It's not even multidimensional. It's just everything. It's all there is. Uh, and God rises to your remembrance, offering you the whole of creation in exchange for your little picture. I mean, wow. Powerful statement. You know, <laughs> pow, right between the eyes. There it is. Mm -hmm. There's your choice. So, um, yeah, that's, I mean, again, it, it, it speaks for itself very eloquently. Um, but it's... Mm -hmm. um, I'll turn it over to you for your thoughts. Just a few. I mean, um, so beautiful. Um, it's not a picture. It's a reality. And the reality is that you are a thought of God, as it says in the Course. We are his thoughts. We are his creations. We are extensions of him. He is everywhere, right? And so in choosing that reality over the illusion of shadowy, you know, sh shifting shadows inside an ugly frame. And no matter how much you want it to be real, and even if you do find some moments of joy in that, you know, that's possible too. But well, but those moments of endure. joy are the truth shining through. I mean, right. if it's real joy. True. Good yeah. point. Um, I, just, I just don't want to paint a life of, you know, just total, you know, destruction and what have you. There, we do have our moments, but you're right. It's it, that is when the, the the truth is peeking through. Um, right. Anyway, but that's 
that's what I would choose. And and because the the illusion can't endure, it it can't sustain itself. It's always changing. You know, everything's shifting and changing, and the truth doesn't have to, doesn't transform. It just is. So it's not subject to change the way everything here in the illusion is. And then the frame fades gently and God comes, rises to your remembrance. That's what we're here for, to remember what it is we already know. That information is just veiled from us, you know. And in in doing that, we realize there's purpose here, but there's not a whole lot of meaning. Because that yeah. you can't you can't explain illusion to such a degree that it satisfies what you really long for, which is peace. Only the realization that, that God is the reality is going to bring you that peace. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know, these paragraphs are just beautifully transparent, like the picture of reality. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, well, why don't we finish it off and uh, okay. go to the final paragraph. Final paragraph, and then we're into a new section, the healed relationship next month. Okay, mm-hmm. paragraph 16. As God ascends into his rightful place and you to yours, you will experience, again, the meaning of relationship and know it to be true. Let us ascend in peace together to the Father by giving him ascendance in our mind. We will gain everything by giving him the power and the glory and keeping no illusions of where they are. They are in us through his ascendance. What he has given is his. It shines in every part of him as in the whole. The whole reality of your relationship with him lies in our relationship to one another. The holy instant shines alike on all relationships, for in it they are one. For here is only healing, already complete and perfect. For here is God, and where he is, only the perfect and complete can be. That makes me choke up. Yeah, amen. That makes me choke up. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm-hmm. We have to see each other through God's eyes. We have to take the relationship we have with him, the real one. I don't know, you know, life life can be hard and some people might have mixed feelings about who God is and, and what he might think of them. But if we look at the real relationship is that we are extensions of him. So there can be only love there. If we can look at that and accept it for a moment, then we can take that prism and aim it at our brothers and sisters and see the same in them. And again, the more you do this, the easier it becomes. And the more you offer to the world in those terms is what you give yourself. And you wind up really turning that self-loathing tape around and you really start to love yourself in a way that God intended. That's what I feel. And that's what I feel this paragraph brings us to. It's just that full remembrance of him and us as his his thoughts and extensions. Yeah. Yeah. What do you feel? Um exactly that. Uh I almost don't want to say anything else, but I there are just a couple of other 
point since this is the wrap-up of this whole section. So mm-hmm. the first line, um, you will experience again the meaning of relationship and know it to be true. That takes us right back to where the section started, um, which says, paragraph one, line one, God established his relationship with you to make you happy, and nothing you do that does not share his purpose can be real. Uh, and then it kind of you know, goes on from there. So when it says, you will experience again the meaning of relationship and know it to be true, it actually is first and foremost talking about our relationship with God. You know, we think of relationship as what we do with each other down here, but the primacy, the, 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 the original relationship is the relationship of creator to created, what God gave to us in our creation. And by extension, <clears throat> both literally and, you know, figure pun intended, and by extension, what we gave to our creations, one of those mysterious things in the course that is probably completely incomprehensible to all of us here in the ego's world of separation and form. God extended himself to create us. <clears throat> we extended ourselves to create our creations. I suspect that our creations extended themselves to create their creations, which are also our creations and God's creations in this, this cascade oh. of love, you know, that just expands infinitely outward um, on rushing forever and ever because forever is the only reality. So it's saying that, Um, As we allow God to ascend to his rightful place as our creator, we rediscover the meaning of relationship in that sense. Um, But then it sort of takes it and brings it back into the world of form and our function here, um, relationship as we see it between each other, and tells us the whole reality of your relationship with him lies in our relationship to one another. And I think that that our relationship to one another is both our relationship to the risen Christ, um, who's telling us this and dictating the book, and our relationship to each other, because in truth we're all the risen Christ once we wake up and rise and let God ascend within us. Um, So, you know, we learn the holy relationship the substitute for the special relationship, what, you know, we learn the holy relationship by allowing that picture of oneness to be ours and sort of reclaiming that relationship of God to us um, and allowing that to come through. So, you know, the whole reality of your relationship with him lies in our relationship to one another. And then the next line after that, the holy instant shines alike on all relationships for in it, they are one. So here, the very idea of relationship is transcended. There are no relationships in oneness. It's just one. You know, all the parts, whether they were related in the ego's opposition, which, of course, is no relationship. That's the special relationship. Or whether we're joined in the common purpose of the atonement and awakening to our true nature so that I see light and love in each of you and you and, and, and by my seeing it in you, I recognize it in myself and I get it validated through, you know, you. Um, either way, at the end of the day, relationship itself 
transcends itself and becomes the oneness of of of, of God, of the sonship, of the Christ. Um, and then, you know, those last lines that, yeah, made both of us go silent. For here is only healing, already complete and perfect. What are we healing? We're not just healing illness or problems. We're healing the separation. We're healing the split mind yes. that thought it went into all of these different individual bodies and that through the holy relationships that we all have returns to oneness. For here is God, and where he is, only the perfect and complete can be. There can't be separation. There can't be fracture. And there can't even be a relationship once we're back in God, except for the true meaning of relationship, which is God created us and we are God's extension and we created our creations and they are our extension. And and so this is what, you know, the, the true meaning of relationship in heaven, um, which I trust we all have some innate sense of knowing this about because cause at a cognitive level, it sure is hard to make sense out of. Mm-hmm. For here is God and where he is, only the perfect and complete can be. Well, here's the thought. Let me run this by you. Yeah. With taking everything you just said, that we are all one. We return to that original relationship. So then when we make the decision, the decision to come here, to be in the body, to incarnate, we choose our parents and all that stuff, kind of look at that as we are the creations of our souls. And so if God created our souls and then our souls elected to incarnate so that this body is then the extension of our soul. So if you take these words to heart, the holy instance, the holy instance shines a light on all relationships for in it, they are one. So then take that to a deeper level and look at your relationship with yourself and allow that holiness to be recognized within you, no matter where you've been, what you've done, doesn't matter. But let that holy instant shine like on your relationship with yourself. And you, I think you would be amazed at the remarkable healing that can take place within you. Because it really is all about us, right? Well, it, it, it's about, I mean, the course works at, two different levels. It's about us Mm -hmm. waking up and remembering that the individual self we dreamed we had is unreal. Um, Mm -hmm. and that we are our brothers, you know, um, love your brother, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, why your neighbor is yourself. There is no distinction between self and neighbor. And, um, at the same time coming from the oneness of God, I mean, the word soul, you know, we could do a whole segment just on that because, it, it was used in the earlier um, draft uh, of A Course in Miracles called the original, but it disappeared around chapter 13. So to me, the best understanding of why that would be, um, and it never made an appearance in the workbook, and of course in the clarification of terms, we're told the word soul is not used. Um, I forget what the explanation is. Um, but to me, the reason it's not used and the reason it was used at the beginning is Helen was more comfortable with it. I mean, the early chapters had to 
be received by Helen in a way where she would do her job, Helen Shuckman, um, you know, the one of the scribes of the course. And so terms were used and things were brought through that I think were actually more for Helen than for the course student. And Helen and Bill later went and tried to scrub all of those out of the course. Some people think that those are still part of the course and have brought them in and um, you know, Circle of Atonement pulled them all back in in their edition because they felt that they were very valuable. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not that they don't have value. It's just they were for Helen and Bill. Um, they weren't for the course student. So, um, you know, the word soul still connotes something individual to you. And, and in that sense, it still exists within the world of separation. But I understand mm-hmm. it as kind of like, there's this aspect. I mean, you could almost think of it as a link. It's separate, but it knows it shouldn't be. <laughs> but therefore, it has to come into physicality and incarnate in order to learn the lessons that teach it here in in the physical form that mm-hmm. it is not separate and that one soul is all souls because God only had the one you know creation that that is the Christ. Um, but yeah, we've got to, you know, we learn it bottom up and that's what forgiveness is. You know, forgiveness is seeing our brothers and sisters um, as exactly like us and learning to suspend all the judgments we make about them, including mm-hmm. ultimately seeing them as a, as a body, as a separate being. So, so I, I, I agree completely. We, you know, if, if we, are loving everyone else, but we somehow are not deserving of that, then you're missing the boat. You know, um, <laughs> right. You know, all relationships are, are equal because all relationships are one. Um, and I think it, uh, I thought there was something in the very next section on this, but I might be thinking of something else. <clears throat> but so, yeah, we're we're all here for the common purpose of awakening, and where a course in miracles might be distinct from any other spiritual system that I'm aware of, anyway, is by emphasizing relationship, um, you know, as that pathway. Um, in fact, by the time this is released, I will have done uh, a Zoom uh, uh, webinar on the idea of relationship, and this was this is sort of the the, the whole teaching is relationship is our path home because because if we are a oneness then the only way we can recognize that the oneness is by taking you know one literally one piece at a time and forgiving mm-hmm. and remembering oh sure yeah you and I are here engaged in a common purpose that's a holy relationship oh you know my wife and I are engaged in a common purpose when we're fulfilling that purpose it's a holy relationship when we're having uh, an argument over what we want to have for dinner, which we don't really do, um, yeah. you know, Who then, then we're in that? a special relationship. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I don't know. What, I, hopefully that helps make it a little clearer. Great. This is great. But, you know, anything that leads you along that path to forgiveness, to being the embodiment of love and, you know, this, this last paragraph, you know, for here is God and where he is only the perfect and complete can be. When we, when we remember that we're doing our job. Right. I have a prayer that I selected, Dr. Bob. Do you think you want to read it tonight? Um, I'd be happy to. Sure. 
Okay. Do you know you where, have your shoes uh, once again? I do, but I have a very early edition of it, so I'm not sure if the page numbers are the same. Um, okay. Let's 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 see. Um, Look at page twenty-eight. So what I have on page 28 starts with, Father, you stand before me and behind? That's it. Okay. Good. I will gladly read that. And for those who aren't aware, um, Choose Once Again is a a volume compiled by um, Bill Thetford, one of the co-scribes, of the passages that he found most inspiring. And... um, and I, you know, we we publish it at the foundation. You can buy it through our website, um, acim.org. But it, you know, given that Bill was probably the person. I mean, Helen knew the course beautifully inside out, but one side of her did, and the other side of her just didn't believe it and didn't practice it. Bill studied it as his first student, and all of us who knew him and knew his his path fully are convinced that he was also the first course student to, you know, to wake up fully, forgive everyone in his life because he told us he had, uh, and, 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 and transcend. I don't think Bill's coming back. Uh, I don't think he has come back, but I do think he's available. So in that light, I will read this. Father, I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so before you... So before you read that, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. We're going to wrap the show when we're done with the prayer. Thank you, Dr. Bob, once again for your time and for being a service and helping all the listeners understand this um, beautiful course from your perspective. I appreciate it. Thank you, Char. Thank you for giving me the opportunity and the the megaphone, so to speak. (laughs) Mm. Always. And until next time. All right. Here we go. Father. You stand before me and behind, beside me, in the place I see myself and everywhere I go. You are in all the things I look upon, the sounds I hear, and every hand that reaches for my own. In you, time disappears and place becomes a meaningless belief. For what surrounds your son and keeps him safe is love itself. There is no source but this, and nothing is that does not share its holiness, that stands beyond your one creation or without the love which holds all things within itself. Father, your Son is like yourself. We come to you in your own name today to be at peace within your everlasting love. Amen. Amen. All right, everyone. Until next time, God bless and be at peace.